Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a special episode of Bijou Banter. We are back in the Zoom studio because we are recording on, what is the date today? January 5th, 2022. In the Zoom studio, we got Orson Cod. Hello. And Daniel Merger-Hoyer. Let's get hype, baby. We're going to talk some spiders. Yeah, so this is a very special episode of Bijou Banter because we are going to be talking about the one the only Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, this episode, it took us a while to get recording to this, but we're finally going to talk about it and basically everything about this movie too. So the first half or 20 minutes or so of this discussion will be spoiler free. And then we are going to transition into a spoiler discussion, which will have a warning too when that comes up. But to introduce the film, Spider-Man No Way Home is the, what, what movie is it? It's the 27th movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the third in the MCU Spider-Man trilogy following Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home, directed by John Watts and stars Tom Holland, Zendaya, Benedict Cumberbatch, Jacob Batalon, John Favreau, Jamie Foxx, Willem Dafoe, Alfred Molina, Benedict Wong, Tony Rivolori, and Marissa Tomei. And the story of Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, spoiler for those that haven't seen Far From Home yet, basically the movie picks up exactly where the previous film left off, where Spider-Man's identity is now revealed to the world and his life is now in shambles, so he consults the help of Doctor Strange to make to perform a spell where in which his identity gets erased, but unknowingly he unleashes the multiverse and chaos ensues. What do we think of this movie? I think right now this is a good treat for us film lovers that you know grew up uh, just loving Spider-Man as a whole. You know there have been many iterations, and I think he's just a superhero like Batman that's just one of the most famous. And there's always going to be Spider-Man movies no matter what. And especially with this one, what I think made it so exciting for everyone was that we saw they were going to start you know focusing on this nostalgia by bringing back these iconic villains. And you know even we saw it with Far From Home when they brought back uh, J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. It was like oh my god they did that I didn't know you could do that. And so this one was really taking the next step by bringing these classic villains back so it was a treat to watch in the theaters with the you know the past year and a half we've been through with the pandemic but my biggest downside with the movie even though i i really enjoyed it is there are times where it feels like a giant fan fiction Mm. where it's like oh okay you know maybe that conversation like there's so many times in the movies where it's like oh i get why you know willem dafoe says i'm something of a scientist myself or like there's a certain thing that a character says or you know whatever so i think that kind of took me out of the movie sometimes, but overall, it's just, it's a, a glorious spectacle to watch. I gotta be honest, as a Marvel fan this year, I've been pretty, pretty fatigued um, with Marvel. Not to say I don't still don't love them. I still adore the franchise. I'm still gonna go see a film, every single Marvel film in theaters, probably till the day I die. Maybe even after the day I die. Maybe, maybe my corpse might come back from the dead for like Iron Man 5 or something. <laughs> But I basically was very fatigued this year. I mean, I think a lot of the films that came out and even a lot of the miniseries that came out this year were a lot and they kind of remained at the same quality. I mean, I think the only ones I actually really got into was Loki, the TV series, and um, and Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. I mean, I think I those are the ones I got into, but even then, they're probably like mid-tier Marvel. The others, I would say, they range from okay to eh. I mean, I, they weren't bad, but they weren't certainly good. This is probably the first time since Endgame where I've been incredibly wowed by a Marvel film. And I think it's because, you know, they put a lot of time and a lot of effort into and dedication into this whole film, um, because the thing that really differs from the other two is that its size and scale is huge um, compared to the others. Um, Because, you know, they felt like, you know, little films within DMCU, this feels like something that is bigger and and obviously not endgame huge, but it feels big and I feel and I think a lot of that is the fact that Tom Holland has certainly come a long way as Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Um, and he's really proven to be like a good balance between the nerdy type Peter Parker and the cocky Spider-Man. And I really like how far he has come in his acting because obviously he's been in a couple films um before this that obviously has like shown that he has some range like cherry although a lot of people are mixed about it he showed some range in that and obviously um but, but it wasn't those who wish me dead it was um 
it was that anthology type film he was in. I don't know what it is on top of my brain, but he was really good in that. Um, and but it's really nice to kind of see how far he has come and how far this franchise has come. And it was just incredibly entertaining to watch this film. And I'm really um, glad I saw it um, opening night. So. Yeah, Spider-Man No Way Home was one of my most anticipated movies, not only of the year, but just in general. I haven't been this excited for a movie in quite a long time, even though my excitement wasn't nearly as big for something like, say, French Dispatch. The Spider-Man film franchises and just Spider-Man in general are very important for me as sort of my growth in terms of my love for comics and Marvel. The first superhero movies I ever saw were the Raimi Spider-Man films. Mm -hmm. Spider-Man 1 and 2 are still what some of the best superhero movies ever made. Spider-Man 3 is not that good, but it's pretty funny though. And what I love about Spider-Man is that he is, he's, his character is very identifiable in ways unlike most superheroes because he's a kid and he makes mistakes. And even though he's, even though he does make these mistakes, you could see like his mind and his, I guess his morality is in such a, is in such an identifiable place because his, He's still coming of age. And that's why I think the MCU Spider-Man films have captured really well was sort of that high school feel that the other movies really didn't. Far From Home, I, I always felt was kind of a disappointment for me. I just, I, even though there's some really good things about it, like the action, I do like the character. The it's a very cutesy me. film. Yeah, I would yeah, say it's so. It's a very cutesy very. film. But uh, in a way, Peter, Peter Parker in that movie almost made too many dumb decisions that I felt went against his character. And also to Mysterio, who... Uh, a lot of people seem to like, I didn't like his representation in Far From Home too much because it just made him seem like the, you know, oh, he's now the villain, but he's trying, they try to make him to be a hero, but it's like, that's not what Mysterio is. If you know anything about Spider-Man, that's just, we know that already. But when they introduced the prospect of this being about the multiverse, then that really intrigued because exactly what Orson said, at the end of Far From Home, when we saw J. John Jameson, then that really opened the door, like, wow, are the universes going to align? And then more so in Venom, Let There Be Carnage, the post credit scene of that movie, which we could talk about now, showed that Venom was now being transported into the MCU universe, and that was big. So everything, all that set aside, including all the theories, the leaks and everything, there was just so much hype around this movie too, that going in, I was like, okay, I really want this to not be a disappointment, but also like, I'm just so excited for this movie. And I saw it opening night, I saw it with a couple of friends, and it was something. This was an experience in the theater that I will remember for the rest of my life. But even taking out that fan experience, I think the movie is still really, really good. I actually, I rewatched it recently again. And even without that fan experience, I, I was still just more able to focus on the story. And yeah, it works really, really well as a Spider-Man film. There's a lot, there's a lot of ambition and a lot of just overwhelming creativity in the action scenes and even the storytelling too. Even though this is about the combination of two different universes, the story is really well done. And the goal is really simple. Essentially, the villains come back as a result of this spell and, and they want it. And basically Peter says, yeah, we got to bring them back home. That's essentially the main conflict that builds more and more throughout this two and a half hour long film that never slows down. There's never one minute where it feels like it's dragging. It's just very quickly paced too. And it's entertaining. Like there's just a lot of wit and charm to this movie that a lot of the MC Spider-Man films have had done even better. And I just simply had a had a blast with it. Even as an experience, it's one thing, but as a movie too, it's equally as exciting and entertaining. One of the yeah. things that I think this one did really good that I liked that a lot of people feel is the problem with the MCU Spider-Man is that they just made him Iron Man Jr. And like each one, it was constantly about him relying on like the AI or someone else being there with him or whatever. And I think even the friends too, like they're always like, oh, Peter Parker's got to have his friends with him or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I get that. But at the same time, just let Spider-Man be Spider-Man. Let him do his own thing. He doesn't need to be handheld by someone that's giving him information or telling him where to go. And this one really did that. It really put Peter Parker in the forefront. And it's like, no, you caused this problem. You can't really rely on anyone to help you. Uh, for the majority of the movie and so I think that was one of the things I really liked about it yeah I mean I think like a lot of the action when you think about it maybe apart from the climax which I think they'll definitely have to get into um is that he's mostly alone for this for these battles um 
and you know for the most part it's like when you when you see him alone for these battles you kind of say okay he has some help there he has some help here but it's like here it's like you know he's taking the weight of like all these villains coming in and you know trying to you know stop them do what he can to help them or whatever i mean he's doing what he wants like he's doing all this and it's like under the way to just trying to be spider-man because you know i feel like that was something that was missing was like you know i want to live up to tony stark's expectations and yeah obviously tony stark is a definitely of a huge parental figure for him at least in this universe um since i wouldn't say we don't have uncle ben but like Uncle Ben wasn't that big of a presence in these films, but I'm kind of glad that, you know, he's kind of in his own element now. And like, although he does have the support of like friends and family behind him, you're still kind of seeing that like he has all this weight on his shoulders. Um, that is honestly very relatable because I mean, let's face it, as teenagers, like, you know, we want to do big things. And it's like, it was kind of nice to kind of see that um element like fully realized in this film i think one of the things that impressed me most and orson you mentioned how the movie felt a bit like a fan fiction to you and would you would you consider that a negative or a positive because i'm just trying to think about how i want to word this i'll try to keep this brief but like so you don't lose your thoughts but it feel i think i even said this to you after i saw the movie a couple weeks ago when we spoke on the phone it's like there should have been a movie in between because the first half of the movie, or at least like the first 40 minutes is very different from the other half because the first half you're kind of dealing with like nothing really supernatural. It's Peter Parker's identity being revealed and like how he's operating in the world now with how, you know, his friends treat him, strangers treat him, whatever. And then the villains come in and then it's a full blown like multiverse movie. So it feels like there should have been something in between. And I'm like, the first half doesn't feel like fan fiction, whereas the second half does. And I think it's both a positive and a negative because it's like, oh, it's that awesome treat to people to see all these cool things happening. But then at times I'm like, well, when Peter starts playing with Doc Ock's arms on the bridge or whatever, that's very MCU. And it just didn't feel like it was written by someone professional. It felt like it was written by, you know, someone that was like, well, what if Alfred Molina was playing with Tom Holland's Spider-Man in the MCU? You know what I mean? Or like when they just, he's like, I'm going to help, you know, I, uh, he's trying to work with the villains. And so he's trying to do things. And they go somewhere. I'm sure we'll get into it. I'm like, this just feels very like fan fiction, not professionally written at times. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm sure you know I, what I'm talking about. I, I see that. And I think there's like, I had a very big problem with fan fiction in movies or fan service in yeah. movies, especially this year. Like, I don't know what it was this year, but we had the masterpiece known as Space Jam 2, which was just <laughs> all references and memes. And I heard also, Ghostbusters was. Too. Yes. Yeah, I was about to mention that. Was. Another. Another Sony film that we haven't talked about yet was Ghostbusters Afterlife. And a short review, it's not that great of a movie because the it, it feels very reliant on nostalgia and fan service with all the stuff, and especially the ending too, which the ending is not is horrible in that movie. But the problem with that movie is that it felt like the fan service was just there just for the sake of fan service. It added nothing to the plot, nothing to the conflict, and nothing to the stakes. I would argue that in No Way Home, there there are some moments like that, like what you said, like the arms too. And there's some, uh, probably like one or two scenes of dialogue that felt very fan servicey. But overall, I felt like its inclusion in this movie was a necessity because without that, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have No Way Home without that fan service. And in a way, the Spider-Man uh, pop culture or just like fans in general has really been exploding way more recently, not just with MCU but also with Spider Verse and. Venom. The Raimi trilogy. Venom. I mean, yeah, Venom think Game what you yeah. think. What you will about the Venom films. The first one, which you know, it's not really a great film. It almost made a billion dollars, so it clearly yeah. resonated with audiences yeah, somehow definitely. to go back and see it over and over again. E even Venom Two. Venom Two made quite a bit of money for pandemic standards, it, yeah. even when it came out. But it's just, just Spider Man is so big now, especially with the Raimi trilogy too. That is like a cornucopia of memes. Like if you look up the yeah. Raimi meme subreddit, it is a gold mine. And there's this YouTube channel called The Human Spider that does a lot of great edits of that. So it's like the culture behind it is so strong that's like the references feel like, yeah, it's like they're referencing the meme, but also it's it's more appropriate to the character. And what I find impressive is that John Watts was able to really not only balance all these universes together by creating one singular film, but also making each villain distinct. Like the way they talk, it's they're talking as if they're from their respective universes. The original trilogy was directed by Sam Raimi. The Amazing Spider-Man movies were directed by Mark Webb. 
and like Electro from from those movies, he talks like he would if it was an Amazing Spider-Man movie. Doc Ock also does the same if he were in a Raimi movie. So it's very impressive how he was able to balance that because from what maybe they maybe the directors came back and did an uncredited directing duty. I don't know, probably not. But I'm like, sure they offered people, input. Probably yeah, they probably yeah. offered input, but like people have been giving a lot of crap to John Watts uh, with the other Spider-Man movies. Like some people are, I I've never had a problem. I thought he was he did a pretty good job, but this really proves that like yeah, he's a very talented director, and now people are actually kind of giving him that respect. In terms of making the villain sound distinct, this isn't an issue I had, not really, but it was something I was talking about with my friend yesterday that even I just realized, and I was like, there's three main villains in this movie. I, granted, there's five multiverse villains that come, which they should just go on with six, but at the, anyway, uh, it's obviously Green Goblin, Doc Ock, and Electro, but then you've got two others, which are Sandman and Lizard, and they don't really play like a big role in the film. They're just kind of there you know, have extra villains to fight in the third act. It it feels like those were like villains. They wrote into the script and they were like, okay, we want it to be this character, but it could honestly be any other villain that we've done before or just say is a villain. Does that make sense? Like they could just say, oh, we captured Vulture or something, or oh, we captured, what's the Dane DeHaan playing Green Goblin or Rhino or something? And they just luckily were able to oh, yeah. get uh, Sandman and Lizard. And I'm like, that's interesting because it sucks that they didn't give them much to work with other than just kind of being there to get punched. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. For me, it's like the fan service didn't bug me too much. I mean, parts of it did, like when, you know, it's obvious fan service and it's like they're trying to you know, make an audience laugh. It can become super cringe at some points because it's like, you know, I could say like, I mean, obviously it's going to be fan service. It's going to be with like, what? You're going to have villains from each of those universes coming in. And obviously they're going to try to reference those. Like when the fellow said, I'm something I'm a scientist myself, I would always face palm <laughs> because, you know, that was for that movie. You didn't need to keep referencing that. But obviously, it's kind of trap you fall into with a movie like this because, you know, fans have high expectations. And obviously, before we get into sports, it's like they're going to, they might meet those expectations. Um, but it's very, so really, I think it just falls into that trap of fan service. So it kind of works, but it kind of doesn't. I mean, that's how I think that's how I can kind of describe it because. You know, it's just how it is. One of the it's things. Expect... Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say it's expected that, like, when you make a movie with this much fan service, there is gonna be a that moment where you like groan or face palm, depending on how. If you're if you're like a super fan of Spider Man, it's like you could ignore that. There were some parts where it's just like, oh yeah, you like you added that just for the memes, just to you know call back to the fans. But I'll be honest, I was expecting it to be far worse considering what we've gotten this year and also there are oh, yeah. other mc movies that reference the past that are far worse than than no way home so i don't know it's just i guess i had different expectations going in and it's just like okay it wasn't nearly as cringe as expecting it was actually more a necessity to the story yeah most definitely because i think this one definitely is does stand on it so much better than i would say the other mcu films did this year um because it didn't necessarily have to like fit worry about fitting itself in a certain timeline, which obviously it's going to build up to what's going to be happening with Doctor Strange in May. But um, it does feel like its own story and it doesn't have to rely so heavily on everything else that was going on within the MCU um, past that point. Um, so I, I'm really appreciative of the fact that it's able to kind of be its own thing and be more creative than other MCU films that we've gotten in the past. One of the things that I heard a reporter say in one of their reviews of the movie, which they liked it, but they had issues with it, obviously. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's fair for this movie to be a little on the nose, like turn to the camera and wink a couple times with the references they're making. But they said they viewed all this multiverse stuff and characters coming back and playing these characters that haven't played for years and certain people or whatever. It's like to them, they perceived it as well. They're not really playing the same characters they played back in, you know, the early 2000s or the mid 2000s. It's like when they had a guest spot on SNL mm -hmm. and a celebrity would come in. Like if Will Ferrell came in and played Anchorman, you know, on SNL, right? now it's like oh he's not actually playing anchorman he's will ferrell playing anchorman and the audience is kind of in on the joke did you yeah. guys perceive it that way because for some mm -hmm. characters i did at certain times and other characters i was like no that's willem dafoe's green goblin that, that's a very yeah, interesting honestly. take yeah. I, I never got that i don't know for, for me it's like 
Well, Defoe, let's face it, the man can choose scenery whenever he wants to. I mean, that's just the type of actor he is. I mean, it makes him a phenomenal actor. And to be honest, I think, really, even when he was, like, playing Norman Osborn from the Raimi films, it's like, to be honest, I expect the type of acting from Willem Defoe now. I mean, yeah. Lighthouse, he did it for the pro I wouldn't say much for the project, he did it. But he's that type of actor who chooses the scenery and loves to choose the scenery. So to me, it's like, it didn't bug me that much when like you know you have actors coming back i mean the only one that honestly did bug me a bit was when doc ock was kind of acting like an old man that says hey get off my lawn kids i mean a little bit in the beginning when it's like obviously he's rightfully mad and rightfully pissed off but it's like he's not necessarily like it's kind of like it kind of felt a little bit corny to me but then again those are the raimi characters they were they're let's face it they're corny films um, yeah. But I think really it kind of helps it a bit. But to be honest, like when you bring the actors to play roles that they did way back when, I mean, to be honest, some of it could work, some of it can't. Like not like in it's not like Harrison Ford playing Indiana Jones. I think this is a little bit much more in the element of the characters and the idea of the multiverse in this film. I also think too, out of all the MCU Spider-Man food, not foods. Why did I say foods? Films. Foods, yeah. <laughs> Foods, yes, the MCU Spider-Man foods, um, films. This is probably the one that has the best understanding of the character. And Orson, mm -hmm. you alluded to this too, like the problems that some people have with Homecoming and Far From Home is that it was more about him like being the, a prodigy to Iron Man in a way. And that was the biggest problem I had with Far From Home is that they focused so much on it that it didn't allow Peter to explore himself as a character. Whereas this one, he's on his own, but also it really taps into like why we love Spider-Man so much the character about his morality. He wants to do the right thing, even though it's like, yeah, it's not the easiest way. Like basically strange is like, we got to send these villains back to their, back to their unit, respective universes. Like that's if, if, for example, if they die, then that's their fate. Like we shouldn't have any part in that, but he's like, no, I want to actually help them out. It's like, yeah, that is so much what people would do. Cause there's also the, the line that was said in, in the comics and even in the original trilogy with great power comes great responsibility like that's his choice to use that power for good and also use that to help these supposed villains and i think that's really it it only makes him way more identifiable but all, identifiable but also way more of a likable character not that spider-man was ever unlikable but it really just got to the under it really understood what what the character stood for which at times in as much as i love spider-man homecoming and Far From Home is not is not a bad film. It's just kind of forgettable to me. It doesn't explore that nearly as much as No Way Home did. And I really liked that. Yeah, same boat. So I guess it's about, how long has it been? It's been about 20 or so minutes so far. Would we like to get into spoilers now? Let's yeah. dig in. I'm up okay, for it. now just like I said, this is a warning. We are now going to be in spoiler mode. So if you do, if you somehow have not seen Spider-Man No Way Home, please turn off this episode, watch it and come back. And from now, from now on, we'll be in spoilers. Well, okay, so the big reveal basically that everyone was talking about from the minute this film got announced was, was whether or not Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were going to return. There were leaks, there were theories, there were everything, there was speculation and every interview was like, the are you gonna cover be in ups, Yes. Cover-ups and all that. Yeah. And lo and behold, they are in it, and it is incredible. Yeah. At the and what's so what's so awesome about this is that I was I was horrified that what they were going to do is that they were going to be in the movie for ten minutes and disappear. That's not the case. They are basically in the entire last act of the movie, and they are introduced in such a great way that you did not expect coming because it's like right after a another climactic scene, which we could also talk about. Aunt May dies, oh, yeah. unfortunately, oh, which yeah. is one of surprisingly one of the most emotional parts I've seen in any MCU film because they actually do a really good job of handling that but you don't expect something that exciting to come after the the biggest low point in the film and it was just exciting like I don't like I'm sure your guys' theater went crazy when oh, yeah. oh, yeah. they were berserk man <laughs> I mean yeah there was this girl that's like constantly cheering and like, you know, pointing out every single reference um, that was there because obviously Matt Murdock from the Netflix that was amazing. Oh, yeah, there. That like, too. yeah, I mean, and people were like, oh my God, that's Matt Murdock from 
Daredevil, oh my god, it's like, people were getting super excited about it, it's like, oh my god, this crowd's gonna go berserk when Andrew and Toby show up, and it's like, they did, they went berserk. Imagine, <laughs> imagine all the people that were like, because the scene they're introducing is, I don't think the way anyone expected they were gonna introduce no. them, where it's just MJ and Ned chilling in a kitchen with Ned's grandma or something, imagine <laughs> all the people that are like, that was a heavy moment with Aunt Major's dying, I'm gonna go use this moment to go to the bathroom. And it's like, oh, it's just this stuff. Okay, well, it doesn't. It's not that important because there have been TikToks like that where it's like I went out at the exact wrong time and you missed yeah. the most awesome moment. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, it's like I didn't. Yeah, honestly, the thing I was kind of glad about um with this is like they didn't dwell on the moment too much, but they didn't let it like stick with you. I mean, they let it yeah. stick, but it's like they didn't like you know. Oh my God, Andrew and Toby are here. Like they didn't do. That's like one thing I'm appreciate the filmmakers doing is that they actually had the moments stay quiet once they showed up and they didn't like you know make it like a grand entrance they made it like you know very subtle and just very like trying to fitting in with the last scene it wasn't an immediate shift in tone i think and what's also nice what's also nice too is that the story keeps going too it's not like the movie grinds to a halt they actually they they linger on that moment for a good amount of time and she's like yeah they are back and now this is the movie that like everyone was speculating for the past year and a half it's actually happening now and then they transition to where he's introduced to tom holland's spider-man on the on the rooftop and actually exploring that part where it's like yeah we've also experienced that loss too but it's like that never stopped us like you know if anything it made us stronger want to pursue our powers even more and like that's really that's really cool that they were able to implement that I, I like mean, that they I liked that they showed us the characters like they told us what they were going through kind of, but they didn't need to like over explain like this is exactly where they are in their lives because at the same time it's like, well, I know that there are people right now on Twitter pushing for make amazing Spider-Man 3 or make Spider-Man 4 because those kind of just got canned, sadly. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't think we're ever actually gonna get those. I'm sure, and maybe we'll speculate on it. I'm positive they're gonna come back at some point. But it's nice to know, okay, Andrew's Spider-Man is in a really dark place. And Toby's kind of, you know, living a life now. Who knows if he has kids or not? Or at least he's with MJ still. So I thought that was really interesting and kind of fun to know. Yeah, I mean, I also think, like, that whole moment, like, going from Aunt May, Aunt May's death, all the way to the introduction of both Toby and Andrew and the Andrew and the MCU, it felt earned because, you know, this is the lowest point probably in Tom Holland's Spider-Man's life because not only, like, did he lose his arm, but he's, like, slowly thinking about the decisions that he's made throughout the majority of the film and whether or not he's going to regret those decisions, just regret those decisions in the end. And so I'm really glad that they really had that like it felt like an earned moment. It didn't feel like forced in. It felt very natural to what the story was trying to tell. And I feel that's what really worked about that whole situation once those characters were introduced. So it felt natural and also too just even even exploring him as him as a character too. Like even at the big decisions, not even outside of your life, like going to college, like three want to get into MIT and like that's probably one of the bigger parts before everything goes down but even that's like all of these decisions are surrounding him and he has to be like okay what do I actually want do I want to pursue this hero life even though everyone's against me or do I want to or do I want to retire basically because he felt like he's as by far his lowest point but never feels like manipulative or anything either it feels very genuine too I think that's what's also nice about this movie too like I think probably with the exception of the end moment when everything gets resolved there was never any moment where it felt like incredibly corny or forced I'd say with the Mm -hmm. exception being probably like the 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 uh what part was it when when uh oh my what part is we'll get we'll get to it later I don't I don't know I can't remember what exactly it was but I know there's like some moments like that though like uh Defoe like right, saying yeah. some of scientists myself or even the moment where people were pointing it out where it's like they're all pointing at each other referencing oh, yeah. that one oh, yeah. <laughs> which the i didn't corny mo- in the theater the one corny moment that i actually thought was pretty funny of the way they did it was the back cracking because it's like a meme yeah. for toby <laughs> yeah, saying oh my funny. back and now they're kind of continuing that and then andrew cracks toby's back i thought that was pretty funny actually yeah, yeah that was pretty funny because that that's pretty subtle I mean, that led into had... one of 
that scene led into one of the, I think one of the best scenes in the movie where it's just all three Spider-Men talking about like all the experiences they've had. And I'm like, this like, yes, it's very fan service and it's very on the nose, but I was like, I think they balanced that conversation really well. Yeah. The only times I think I actually did like, I wouldn't say I was like bored, but the only times I felt like it did drag a bit was like when they just kept kind of like, it's like the CW character moments. Like, I don't know if you guys watch the C- any of the CW, like, DC shows. And, like, the characters meet each other. And it's, like, all of a sudden they're, like, all talking for, like, five straight minutes before an action happens. <laughs> um, and it's, like, there was a time where it's, like, okay, this feels very CW at this point. But then again, I think it kind of works for what it is. Because, obviously, you're reaching out to also young adults and people who grew up with Spider-Man, but I don't know, some, there's like some moments where it's like, you you guys are just too happy to be here right now, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, there, there is this incredible amount of like chemistry and banter too, because what I like about like, e- each of the Spider-Man have incredibly different personalities, not only just like the, the way they use their powers, because Toby Maguire, he had his webs come out of his body, whereas Andrew and Tom Holland and Tom, they, they, they have the web shooters and stuff, but and even though they're like, and even though Andrew Garfield, he's more, the, I'm not a huge fan of his Peter Parker, but his Spider-Man is real good. At least his Peter Parker, I saw as more of like a hipster and not a nerd. They still have this incredible amount of like witty banter too. I think, I remember reading an interview, not, not an interview, yeah, an interview, like Andrew compared it to like, they were all like brothers in a way. Yeah. And you really sense that too. And like, but even though they've only, they've known each other in the universe for like a couple, probably like 12 hours max, maybe you sense this really strong camaraderie between them. Like, even though it's like they, there's like this part where it's like they can't get their stuff together in the beginning of that action scene, but then they actually like discuss the plan and then they just, they go all in and it's like, you see them succeed. And I really like that part too. Yeah, I mean, I also like the part where it's like, I think Toby impressed me though. I mean, I mean, a lot of people like were impressed with like Andrew when he came in. It's like, wow, they completely redeemed his Spider-Man. Which I don't really think it's a Spider-Man that I need to redeem because I thought it was a fine, he was a fine Spider-Man. But I think the one thing I liked about Toby is that when he comes in, it's like his entrance isn't as like epic or, or like as bombastic as like Garfield's. He's kind of like somebody who's just kind of moving on with life and just kind of taking it subdue. Um, and I think that really worked out pretty well. Well, really, because like- I felt the opposite. I liked it, or uh, Toby, and I thought it was really good. But I remember one of the things I had heard about a year ago when, like, the production rumors or whatever were coming out was that Andrew signed on right away because he wanted to do it, and he was excited about it. And I'm like, that makes sense. He gave it his all. He was, in my opinion, the second best in the movie behind uh, Defoe. But then Toby was kind of the one that was, like, making the process take a little bit longer because he wanted a lot of time out of the suit and just as himself. And now having seen the movie, when he literally enters just wearing like a blazer and some jeans and a t-shirt. And then one thing I noticed was he doesn't really wear his mask a lot in the movie. Like when they're swinging around, yeah. But he doesn't have the mask on a lot. And I was like, that's very interesting. I think it, it, that rumor was probably true. So I don't know. It was I thought he did a good job, but I kind of wish maybe he pushed a little more, if that makes sense. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not really- That's always I'm not, Parker. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm not familiar with Tommy McGuire too much as a person. To tell you the truth, all I know is that he really hasn't been in a lot of movies recently. He was in Great Gatsby as he kind of got blacklist, blacklist. Yeah, for a while. He, uh, he wasn't that great in Great Gatsby, and he also had a voice in The Boss Baby, which I, I haven't seen. But this is like the first movie he's been in in a live action in quite a long time. So he sort of like fell fell off too. So I'm not really sure like what happened. Molly's game just, happened. Like last thing he was in was like Pawn Sacrifice, um, in which what he actually that? direct. I, it's like this movie about chess or something. About um, chess, what like Queen's Gambit? Yeah, kind <laughs> kind of like yeah. I mean, he actually directed it too. So I oh really? Know. But I mean, I don't know. I'm I kind of liked it. I mean, because I feel like you know, Tommy McGuire is an an actor where it's like you know his Peter Parker was incredibly awkward and incredibly like odd and I feel like he brought across that feeling pretty well in my opinion because like when he comes in he doesn't come in like Garfield did he came in kind of like as a Peter Parker and yeah I don't know I kind of like that like I think it really fit in with like what his character was in the Raimi films like just a very awkward nerd in some respects very awkward but also like 
like just the way he carries his conversations too it's very just sort of like simple like like i think one of my favorite moments in the film is when he reunites with with doc ock and it is another reference but he's like yeah. like doc is like you you've all you're all grown up and it's like or it's something like what what exactly he says like you're all grown up and and then you Peter responds, yeah he's like yeah, how are you doing, like like, doing. And, and, yeah Peter, peter's like he's like i'm trying to do better like that's such a that's such a toby mcguire spider-man peter parker response and just like that type of dialogue and the way he reacts and also emotionally too it's all there too even like when he gets i think there's one moment where he gets frustrated where he's like i can't remember the line but he does he like yells at, the, at like to do at the spider-man it's just like like what are we doing or something oh like i remember like in that, which in that toby mcguire yeah that was actually my favorite scene in the movie where they're you know they need to start working more together as a team instead of individuals and tom holland goes like i don't want to brag but i was in the avengers and toby's like the avengers what is that and like, yeah, like that's great tom holland what is- goes on to explain what it is he's like how's this helping or whatever i thought that was great yeah that, that it was that mode like that's like that that's straight out of the Raimi films and like they really captured those personalities too and also andrew garfield too being way more i guess i, I don't know how to describe it middle brother he was part. the middle brother Mid- middle brother yeah but kind of like there's a really like calm too there's a really good article that the writers of the movie the interview they did and they said the way they kind of approached it was that tom holland's like the youngest brother who needs like a lot of help right now because he's always getting into trouble where andrew's like the middle brother because he's kind of in a dark place after gwen's death and like he maybe feels like he's not getting enough attention so he's kind of you know trying to get out those emotions where toby's like the older wiser one who like is trying Mm. to refocus the two and i thought that was an interesting approach they took yeah, same. I'm the same boat. I think that like really worked pretty well, and like they just have such a good dynamic together. Um, and I wouldn't even say like the villains also kind of have a good dynamic going for a bit. I mean, there's only issues I have with some of the villains. Like obviously, Wizard and Sandman were not given enough time. Some people even said like they were digitally in there. Like, yeah, they, some of those yeah, no, shots. they they did. Like they recorded new dialogue for it, but the two times when they appear like as as their human self it was a, it was um reused footage. alternate takes yeah alternate yeah. takes from the from their respective movies so but they recorded new dialogue for it so they probably just had other projects yeah because they also filmed they also filmed this during the pandemic more impressively too so it probably could have been like a travel restriction for some reason yeah, yeah i mean i think it's like the other three like electro um goblin and doc ock you probably get more motivation from them i mean i think their motivations like honestly some of them make sense um like goblin like you just know norman's just norman's just a crazy guy like you know it and obviously electro's like oh man all this power around me what do i gotta do with it the other two are just kind of there um and it's like and not to say because i i don't hate like either Hayden Church's like Handman or um Ethan's um wizard. But it's just like it felt like that they were not really impactful to the story as they should have been. And I don't know. For me it's like I wish they could have done a lot more, but then again the movie's are like already two and a half hours long. So it would have been like I don't know an extended version if you wanted to see what their true motivations were. So some people think that Defoe is better than Thanos as a villain. And I'm like, that's an interesting take. I, I don't know yeah. how to classify that. I mean, because like Defoe, I don't know, I think it's more threatening when it's like somebody's specifically after you um, yeah. and say somebody after the whole universe. I mean, no, like Thanos, like obviously Madman, like definitely one of the best MCU villains. But I think like Defoe, Defoe's Goblin, I think it's like a whole other level. Just like, intimidating because like he's somebody that like isn't afraid to strike um like isn't afraid to strike he's much more sinister than i would say like thanos is because he's after an individual he's not after a whole universe of people also way more psychotic too at least in his goblin form to just sort of that say like a jekyll and hyde type thing and his I think out of all the villains, he's probably he's all he's probably the most interesting at least in this film which is which i find kind of not strange, but different because within the Raimi trilogy, I always saw Doc Ock as my favorite Spider-Man villain from that, from those series of movies, just because of his motivation and also mm-hmm. how he was able, how he came to that place of like, oh, I'm now being controlled by these, by these robotic arms. And then you, you see that he's just like so miserable, basically throughout his entire life. He has like no control over his actions in any way. So that's why he's become so bitter. 
Defoe is really, he's really good in this movie because, I mean, he's exceptional as Green Goblin in, in the first movie, but coming him coming back, showing that sort of psychotic side and ultimately what he does in terms of killing Aunt May too, offers this incredible amount of, I guess, conflict between Peter and him because then he wants vengeance and he wants him dead, basically. And which is probably the most telling moment for his arc because then it shows, yeah, Toby McGuire got his revenge in the Raimi trilogy by killing the car thief that killed Uncle Ben. But it's like, what did that do, really? It's oh. sort of like, it, if anything, it sort of inspired him more to be like, yeah, I don't want to pursue evil. I want to actually save people and help people. Yeah, I mean, I think like with Defoe, it's like, for one, they got, I'm kind of glad they got rid of that Power Rangers looking mask because I don't know, I felt <laughs> like he was more intimidating with the mask off than it was on. Um, I mean, I, obviously they had the limitations in 2001 where they couldn't necessarily use like, you know, just some CGI or makeup where they could have made the foe look more like a goblin. So they're just like, okay, we're just going to resort to the mask. I'm kind of glad they got rid of the mask and just like, you know, the foe, like, let's face it, he looks like the green goblin. Like he just freaking, it's like that smirk he has. It's like, it's very sinister and like very malicious. It's like, he just... And even when he shows up in the climax and he's like wearing the hood and like those little goofy goggles, it's like, no, this is the Green Goblin right here. And this is somebody I'm actually legit intimidated by. So I was really glad that they actually took that alternative route with his character. No, definitely. Do you guys yeah. think Toby and Andrew are going to come back ever for like cameos? I think to, I think they're going to make Andrew the, the Sony Spider-Man again. Not maybe I, like Amazing Spider-Man 3, but like I'm sure he'll pop up on Venom 3 or something. I think I think they're gonna come back in some way. Not will they make Amazing Spider-Man three and Spider-Man four? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I hope they make Spider-Man four because yeah. I've been wanting Spider-Man four for a long time, but it probably won't happen. The rumor going around is that even before No Way Home was even announced, there was rumors that Tobey Maguire Spider-Man was gonna appear in Doctor Strange two because that's also it's, it also deals with multiverse and is directed by Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. And even more recently, the um, upcoming marvel film morbius starring jared leto got pushed back from its january release date to april and the rumor going around is that uh, andrew's gonna film a cameo for that movie so i could definitely see them implementing it it's just will there be another movie with them in it and that's where i'm just like "Eh, i'm not really sure they they keep saying they're gonna pop up in this movie secret wars because i think that's gonna be the next like avengers thing that's like the rumor going around i'm not really familiar with secret wars like i was with the infinity storyline but I think it might deal with multiverse stuff, like some multiverse characters coming in. So I, I wouldn't be shocked because they see they're obviously moneymakers, but at the same time, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's like, it. I think both of their, I think all three of their characters had it had their era. Um, because I think Toby, obviously, early 2000s. Um, and let's face it, during that time, like before even that Spider-Man was made, it was super tough to make a Spider-Man film because they've been trying for years to get that character off the ground and they just couldn't do it. And now it's like 2001 through 2008, they were able to accomplish three films. Obviously like the third one wasn't as good, but they managed to accomplish a lot with that Spider-Man character. And I think, you know, Toby had his era and I think Andrew unfortunately did too, because although I liked um, Andrew's Peter Parker and I want to say I would say I like it's more his Spider-Man more than I would say is Peter Parker but um obviously there's a lot of issues going on behind the scenes with Sony when those two Spider-Man films are made and although like the first one I think was I would say it was relatively okay obviously the second one had its big issues kind of like how Spider-Man 3 had its issues that obviously killed um Garfield Spider-Man here I mean I'm open to the idea of maybe bringing back Garfield I'm not sure about McGuire because McGuire obviously is so far removed from the character at this point that it's I don't know when seeing him life of a middle-aged Peter Parker is not really that interesting to me I mean we already got Peter B Parker from Spider-Verse for that (laughs) um but I but I'm more open to say Garfield coming back but in terms of them popping up in the MCU I see it more than I see it le- more more as a cameo than I would say anything legit, like starring roles that like Holland is at at this point. Yeah. Um. I I could see that. 
it just it really is just whatever Sony wants to do at this point and just because now Spider-Man is probably at his most popular and I don't even know how long probably since that first movie came out in 2002 oh, yeah. and more impressively too this is a good segue uh Spider-Man No, no Way Home has grossed nearly 1.4 billion dollars worldwide yeah. considering we're in the middle of the pandemic still and also with this new variant going around it is astounding that this movie made as much money as it did i think in its opening weekend it made in america alone it made like 500 million or am i or was that worldwide i think i I think it was worldwide i think maybe it was worldwide yeah but it made a ton of money in that opening weekend which is not surprising considering um the websites for pre- ticket pre-orders kept crashing i had to wait two hours to get my tickets for this movie oh yeah i so. think it, once it dropped at like like 1 a.m i was and i was up anyway but i was like i'm just gonna grab these now because i know eventually like fandango is gonna crash um which i'm gonna I, give a hot take with spider-man making this much money as it has i think that's the reason morbius got pushed back plus obviously the new variant going around that's kind of spiking but i think honestly it's because sony knows they're writing the coattails like they wouldn't want morbius writing the coattails and possibly affecting the money spider-man might make because mm-hmm. for some people they've still got winter break for a couple more weeks and so i think they know now that the holidays are over there's not really a lot to do besides stay home and so they're like well maybe i'll go see spider-man no way home for the third time and it's already still making money so i think they kind of just pushed it back maybe because they because when it will come out now that's around the same time spider-man will be coming out on uh like blu-ray 4k whatever so i think that's why and obviously there's nice speculation of like oh is it an andrew garfield cameo or maybe the movie sucks or whatever but i, I think it, i think it's honestly bad they just don't I, I have conflict to, with each other sorry but i don't think sony has a ton of faith in morbius to tell you the truth yeah. it's been pushed back like seven times already they were going to release yeah. in january which is infamously like one of those like dump months yeah. So it's like, I don't think they have a ton of faith in this movie, to tell you the truth. So it could be that, but I think probably Omicron had something to do with it too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say the same thing because like, I don't know, honestly, I look at more since like, honestly, he was interesting as a Spider-Man villain. Like I know as a kid, he was showed up on some of the cartoon shows that he was on, but I just never had an interest like, a solo movie for a villain nobody exactly knows i mean it's not really that intriguing um of an idea maybe maybe if he, he was like the next spider-man villain maybe but it's like as a solo film i'm not really seeing it i mean venom i can understand but morbius nah. i think the biggest issue with morbius i have so far is the marketing is all over the place like they can't oh, yeah, really commit good. to anything of like what universe it's in because they've got references to every single other uh mc or not mc but like spider-man iteration and so that makes me like more eager to see it so we can get an answer but at the same time i'm like eh, well it's kind of telling if like it can't really be clear yeah for sure i i, I think I, w- I find it interesting that for morbius at least i actually like the idea of making a soul from first about a villain that we really don't know much about i actually think that's kind of cool but the trailers have just not been impressive though. Mm. Like what you said, it can't stick to a tone really. Like I can't tell if it's meant to be like really gritty or serious or maybe comedic. Maybe they're going to go down the Venom route again, but also too with the universes. And it, now, especially after No Way Home, it's like, what does this even mean now? Or is this a cause of like Peter's messing up the spell or something? Like, is this like this own universe mm. where all the Spider-Man like universes like morph into one or something like that? It's like, I want an answer, but at the same time, it's like the movie does not look very good just by no. those trailers. I'm going to go, it's probably in the same universe as Venom, but they'll probably do some yeah, probably. mind-bending reality stuff. But I guess that kind of segues into the Venom post-credit scene. Talk about a Venom 2 post-credit scene that had so much awesomeness, but had little payoff. That yeah. is not a good post-credit scene. Honestly, I just like went and it's like, obviously I left the theater early, if you guys remember from the last episode. Oh, yeah. I, I left yeah. the theater early. I managed to catch it on YouTube and it's like, okay, I obviously saw this part coming and it's like, you know, I'm satisfied. Although, I don't know, does that mean Danny Rojas and Ted Lasso is going to be the new Venom? I don't know. That'll be weird for me, but I, I don't know. I wasn't very impressed with this one. I mean, but. it wasn't, it wasn't a great post-credit scene and a lot of people were like upset. I remember at that, but it's like, I just really hope now it's, now it shows that Venom is in the MCU. They, Please do not mess it up. 
for the love of God, please don't mess that up. You, you tried twice and you failed both times. It's like, this is your last chance to redeem it. So I hope they, I hope they don't mess it up in some way, but it's interesting how they built up like, Oh, Venom's going to like see Spider-Man or like interact with him in real life. But then really he's had no interaction with him in his respective universe. So it makes sense why he wouldn't be drawn to, uh, to- not, not Toby to Peter Parker in any way, but at the same time, it's like, you hype that up so much, you would think it would have played a bigger role than it did. So I remember you know. looking up the answer because I texted Matthew after I saw the movie. I was like, this scene doesn't make sense. They said the reason all the villains were pulled in was because they knew Peter Parker was Spider-Man, but this Venom doesn't know who Spider-Man even is at all. It's because, and this is I, to quote Deadpool from, I think it's Deadpool 2. Well, that's just lazy writing. It's because I guess the symbiote has a hive mind. So it's somehow connected to the hive from Spider-Man 3 or whatever. So I guess it kind of knows, but at the same time, I'm like, eh, that's, that just seems like you Venom yeah, shoehorned in last minute. Yeah, it's a bit but, of But that stress. also doesn't explain Venom's powers even more. Cause I remember at the end of Venom 2, at that discussion, it said like, well, this, it's cool that he's in the MCU now, but it also shows like, why didn't Venom ever use that power to begin with? So it, it, it only adds more questions to how Venom's powers work. It honestly just strikes me as something where like they were filming Venom 2 and they're like, well, what's a post-credit scene? Hmm, Spider-Man No Way Home is filming right now. Go film this in one day. And they filmed both those post-credits scene like back-to-back or something. Well, you know John, what I mean? Yeah, John Watts did direct the Venom 2 post-credit scene. I just found oh, out. There recently. you go. So yeah. that, so that probably, probably explains it. It was probably filmed in like an afternoon or something. Yeah, and they probably found Danny Rojas and Ted Wasso. And it's like, hey, you want to be a bartender for about 15 seconds and not be your eccentric self? I'm sorry, I've been on a Ted Wasso mood all, all year. But um, I don't know. It just felt very lazy. But I think this honestly can kind of go from before. Thoughts on the ending, um, which honestly is pretty huge for this Spider-Man. At least. Is it really, though? Because think about it. Yeah. Not many people knew who Spider-Man was before. Like there was like that core group, but like I don't know, the Avengers didn't really know who Peter Parker was, other than a couple of people interacting with him at the Battle and Endgame. But I think it's obvious they're going to move on to Harry Osborn and Gwen Stacy for the next trilogy. So yeah, I I, that's I'm guessing we should probably iterate for audience. So um, after the whole big battle is done, um, it, Peter Parker has to make a decision on whether or not to like you know have people forget about peter parker so where the first spells forget have people forget about spider-man that he was spider-man he has to forget people have to forget that he's even existing um and so peter went with the bold decision to you know have nobody know who peter parker is and obviously it led to like really emotional goodbyes and then it just kind of like tell like the whole universe kind of resets um where Peter Parker is, nobody knows who Peter Parker is, and he's basically going on to his life as Spider-Man. So he's no longer Peter Parker, he's just Spider-Man. So. I I really, I actually really liked that ending because it, it made sense for his, for his arc at the time. And also what you said too, it's like, really, if you lived in New York, you would know who Spider-Man was, but like really no one else was like really i guess knew of his presence maybe it did i mean there is the news in there so but it's like with the exception of probably like his close friends and his family it's like it wouldn't really affect like everyone else in the universe so i found it to be a very it felt natural for that character especially for what he went through at the time Mm -hmm. there is also too that people are like oh well he could have just asked for make everyone forget about mysterio instead oh yeah but then it's like the whole thing wouldn't have happened. So I'm glad that he didn't just say that instead. But yeah, yeah I don't mind the ending myself. I think it's it's a good one. I think it'd definitely be a nice course correction for whatever they're going to try and do with the next trilogy of Spider-Man films. I assume we'll probably hear news about it within the next six months to a year. So I'll, I'll be curious to see how they handle it when it comes to like the next Avengers movie or something. I'm sure they'll just find a way to like reconnect him to someone like Doctor Strange or like I don't know, Captain Marvel or something, but it'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I find it to be pretty bold, like, character-wise, because, you know, honestly, he's basically leaving, like, you know, his life of MJ and Ned behind, leaving the Tony Stark, like, persona behind. I wouldn't say persona, but, you know, people knew that he was, like, Tony Stark Jr., so he's basically resetting his entire life because now he technically has no family, um, and he's kind of 
living life as like a normal citizen, but obviously he's going to be a spider right now. That's all he's fully going to be. He has something to fully commit to now. And then he did when he was like graduating high school or when he wasn't graduating high school, but obviously he was trying to get accepted to college. Um, so, I mean, I found that to be a pretty bold move that I think is very fitting for like the character itself. And plus, I also do like the idea that the character um, popped up in that apartment and you could hear the guy's voice in Spider-Man 3 um, as the apartment, like landlord or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I found that to be a good touch, I mean, without having to distract. But I think that like it really moves his character um forward and it's going to be interesting how they try to fit him into the rest of the mcu since after that nobody knows who peter parker is i so. think where they they position themselves to where it's like it's a good conclusion like let's say they don't make any more spider-man mc movies which is definitely not the case considering how how successful this movie was mm-hmm. but let's say this this was this was going to be the place where they ended it it would be a good conclusion, but they're also leaving the door open to introduce other MCU characters, or not only other MCU characters, but also other Spider-Man characters that have not been represented in the MCU, and uh, Harry Osborn, Gwen Stacy, and um, probably some other villains, too, that I can't think of off the top of my head. Craven. But, Craven. Yeah, Craven the Hunter, which yeah, obviously you gotta get was that the original plan for this movie, like they yeah. said. I think I read somewhere that their original, their well, their first idea was to do this multiverse movie, but they said if they couldn't work it out, they were going to do Craven the Hunter instead as the as the villain. So here's my question: When do we see Spider Man next? I mean, like a Spider Man movie, because typically like Spider Man, been, yeah, typically what it's been for like years. the past six years, it's been every other year. So I have to assume. 2023 will be the year we see spider-man 4 but i don't know if they want to take a break for a couple of years i, I could see keeps them saying, taking a sorry i was just saying like continue. no just tom holland keeps saying like i'm gonna take a break for a while and maybe buy apartments or something and i'm like okay that's fair he's obviously been pretty uh stacked up but if you really think about it the movies he's done outside of spider-man haven't really been like the greatest in terms of like whether they've made a lot of money or how they've ever seized by people. So I feel like Spider-Man's kind of a safe bet right now, but I'm sure he's uh, probably racking in the money. I mean, right now. I'm pretty sure like, you know, he's made enough at this point where it's like, you know, he's just going to kind of take that little hiatus from the character a bit, because you know, let's face it. I would be burnt out too. If like, I had to go back constantly to play this character not like three times, but like five times. Cause I was no, not five times. He played it six times because he was in six MCU films with this character. And so, and obviously he's a very successful actor at this point and, you know, he's very popular and I'm honestly, it's a very good, big risk to, you know, just take a break from the character and, you know, come back to it later. And to be honest, I would say if I, if it's going to be a Spider-Man film, I wouldn't expect, I would either be late 2023 or early 2024. Um, because obviously they have a lot of questions that still need to be answered because obviously people are so questioning will Zendaya and Jacob Batalon show up again in this universe will I mean will what will there be new Spider-Man characters that will be coming into um the next trilogy I mean will he be involved with anything that's going on with obviously Kang the Conqueror is going to be the next big baddie and whether or not they're going to do Secret Wars, I mean, it's still going to be questioned, like, where will he fit into the MCU after this? Um, So, but we'll see what happens. I'm pretty sure Kevin Feige has, like, a whole blueprint laid out for the entire next phase of the MCU um, with hopefully Eternals being tossed in the trash. But that's just me. (laughs) And, I don't know, we'll see what happens. I could see something happening in like give it at least three years because I'm also trying to think too about how you're thinking they're gonna wait three years until they do another Spider-Man movie or announce something. Oh no, until they do another Spider-Man movie, not until they oh. announce something. No, no, no. They'll probably announce something. I well, they said a sequel is in development, but we there's like no other information besides that. We just know that they are gonna do one. But um because also I'm thinking too, like there's this deal with Sony and Disney regarding how they're going to release their content. Like, because Sony made a deal with Netflix oh. to distribute all their stuff on streaming after it comes out on in theaters, but then they also sign a deal with Disney where after their Netflix availability, which I think is around 2026, if I'm not mistaken, it will go onto Disney Plus. So that'll probably rejuvenate some sort of more. Not that Spider-Man's not going to like lose any interest anytime soon, but 
it'll probably get a spike around then. And then maybe we'll see a movie come out around that time because then Disney will have more, I guess, access to those rights, even though they Sony's still going to distribute it most likely. So I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna agree with Daniel on this one. I think they're probably gonna wait until like 2023 or 2024. Like I'm gonna go. It'll probably be sometime from like November 2023 to like July 2024 to do Spider-Man four. I think they don't want to wait too long because they're like, well, we got to keep the hype of, you know, whatever. Cause like, I'm not assuming Avengers five is going to happen anytime in the next two to three years. Probably so not. I can't really Don't think of a movie up. where Tom Holland, Spider-Man would show up maybe Dr. Strange too, but I doubt it because now clearly Dr. Strange doesn't know who he is. So I don't think they'd want to wait too long to be like, well, we had this giant movie, but I don't know. That's just my take. But uh, you know, there's also too, the same thing with like Avengers too. After Avengers Endgame, it's like there's still no plans for another Avengers movie. But I think it's because they're doing of, like but... these other event movies. If you really think about no, it, there fair. wasn't like a giant event movie in the MCU besides Avengers. Now I feel like they're doing all these like mini events with the series and like Doctor Strange 2. I'm sure Guardians 3, since it's said to be like the finale of this iteration of the Guardians, will be somewhat of a finale. Thor probably. So if you really think about it, they're all kind of mini finales. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think I'm I'm open to it. I mean, I don't think they're ever, and let's face it, that 22 film run that Marvel had from all the way from Iron Man to Endgame is probably going to be remembered for years. So obviously Marvel's, I think Marvel's realizing at this point, they don't want to try to match that, those levels. Um, because obviously as much money as you get throw at those things, it's like nothing's going to be as special as those 22 film men. And although this film, I would say definitely is, is already top tier Marvel for me. I mean, I think it's probably top five at, at the least, um, at least for me. Um, I don't know if they're ever going to try to top anything like they did with the first 22 films. Um, because that was such a big thing. And I think obviously they're going into many series territory because obviously Loki was super successful and the others were super successful and they still want to build upon that and obviously we got Doctor Strange coming out and T minus four months so we're going to see what happens and what's going to work for the next stage of the MCU. Yeah. I'd have to agree. Um, is there anything else that we want to talk about or we get to wrap this up? I think we're going to wrap. Get a wrap? All right. Um, I'll put a, I'll put a timestamp in here for um, the people that didn't want to listen to the spoiler section to hear our final thoughts. So, uh, yeah, final thoughts on Spider-Man No Way Home. I think it's kind of what I said at the very beginning. It's a fun like treat right now for like longtime Spider-Man fans to see. I think again, this is a character that's always going to be relevant somehow, like next to Batman or something, and it has some issues for sure. I think some of the uh, stuff they do with characters feels like you know just kind of fan servicey or like it was you know not written by someone that was the most professional but at the same time it's kind of fair to be a little you know on the nose kind of a wink to the camera but overall it's i think it's a super fun movie it's definitely top tier mcu and i want to revisit it soon but i i feel like it's going to be spider-verse where it's like i don't want to revisit it so often because that a cool effect of like oh my god that character popped up or that thing was so cool that action set piece or whatever so i'll be excited to revisit it probably when it comes out on uh 4k later this year so i'm gonna give no way home an eight out of time yeah i mean this is probably the best marvel film i've seen since endgame um and that's the first time i've ever been super excited for something like this and because you know like it's like many others spider-man was a character that i grew up with i mean i grew up with the Raimi's films i grew up with the web films i played the spider-man ps4 games constantly i mean Spider-Verse is probably still my favorite Spider-Man, but this is really not close. This is really close behind. Like, it's so hard to, for me to decipher which is the best Spider-Man film, but this is definitely one of the best Spider-Man films I've seen in a long time. And the action's great. I mean, I, the fan service, although a lot of it, I mean, I still like. I mean, it, it's very amazing that they brought in all this size and scope with this film. Tom Holland has truly come a long way with this character after playing him for six movies and we finally see, see more depth given to him. And it's just a fun time. And I would recommend anybody see it if they would like to. And honestly, I'm going to I was an eight out of 10 on my letterbox should be. I think this is, this is going to go up to a nine out of 10. 
Yeah, this is a excellent movie from beginning to end. I I wouldn't say it's my it's the best Spider-Man movie because I think I think Spider-Verse is better. I think the original Spider-Man 2 is better, but it's easily in my opinion the most entertaining and probably the most satisfying Spider-Man film I've ever seen in my life. I just it it celebrates Spider-Man so much while also exploring why everyone loves him and from not just Tom Holland but just every single way from just the complete history of Spider-Man films this is a celebration and one that I think will be remembered for a very long time like this experience this moment in history where it all built up to this and it has a ton of great action it has a lot of heart too it's just it's a ton of fun like I, I could easily put this on again and just get some amount of enjoyment out of it and even without that fan experience it's still is just as entertaining as it was even when I first saw it. So it's definitely the best Marvel thing that came out in 2021 by far. And I can't wait to revisit it again. Check it out if you would like to. And I'm going to give it a nine out of 10. One so last thing. Oh. Well, one last thing. Perfect end credit song. I think that was just a mm-hmm. great choice. Great, great, great yeah, choice. Good, good end credit song too. So yeah, check that on Spotify if you would like to. If you would like to. Uh, so that'll wrap up this special banter episode of Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, be, sure to tune in, be sure to tune in next time, whenever that would be. I don't even know what we'll be talking about, but we will be back in the Care UI studio in our next episode of Bijou Banter. And until then, I've been Matthew. I've been Orson. And I've been Daniel. And we will see you all next time. Bye-bye.